Hello and welcome to another episode of Dawncast. I'm Dai Lee. And I'm Kathy Ngo. And thanks for joining us this afternoon. We've got uh, Kathy DiMarcos joining us. Have I pronounced your uh, surname correctly there, Kathy? Perfect. Oh, thank you. Perfecto. <laughs> Perfecto. Kathy's <laughs> uh, the founder and CEO of Solutions to You, a business that she's built around her knowledge of finance, uh, strategy, scaling, and operations over the last 35 years. But what she's most passionate about is her footprint uh, in life, and she's determined to share her skills to help individuals push beyond their comfort zone in business. So, welcome and uh, you know, giving us your valuable time today. Kathy, welcome. Thank you, Di. It's a pleasure. Kathy, lovely to meet you too. <laughs> lovely to meet you. So, uh, how are you coping in this COVIDian time, if I can put it that way? Um, so, personally, I've actually been really, really grateful for what it has actually brought about. But it's been interesting to watch and to um, take on board the differences of opinions and experiences that people have had. A lot of people obviously look at it as in a negative light. However, there have been people that have looked at it where it's a time of opportunity. So uh, I don't know. I'm always fascinated when I get different responses from people. I know. I, I think we've been seeing a lot of stories, a lot of content, a lot of discussions, but it's really about how I, f- I feel, I don't know what you both feel, but the doom and gloom of it, like every yeah. every mm. day? It's easy because social media is triggering. What we watch on TV is triggering. Even the conversations that we're having with each other, not here, but like elsewhere, and just that fear, um, mm. it's it's not helping. And I think as, um, I'm like you, Kathy, I'm also fascinated about people's reaction and how the, the psychology behind it. And, and I think as humankind, we usually default to something negative or that we've lost something and, and like to your point Kathy there needs to be more focus on um, gratitude and the opportunity as well mm. yeah yeah but who do you normally work with um, what sort of clients do you have so from a client perspective it can actually be an array of people it can be small business it can be you know from a one five people sort of team to large corporations over thousands of people um, both locally and I uh, across multitude of con- countries. So um, over the last three years, I actually spent quite a lot of time working abroad. Um, if you ask my husband whether it's positive or not, you know, he reminds me that I spent the year before about nine months of the year actually away from home. Oh, where did you um, go? Well, whilst there was a little bit of travel, it was predominantly I uh, working in the Philippines and in Vietnam. Um, oh. Oh. <laughs> we are oh. owing because Di, I was born in Vietnam. Yeah. I, my parents are Vietnamese, uh, but I was born here. So that's why we're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Look, you know, and both of those countries are actually fascinated. And I'm always actually quite privileged to be, you know, amongst a different cultures. It's what I actually, um, I crave actually that learning that I get from being in a different environment. Um, and in some ways I miss it, you know. Um, when you don't travel, I find that uh, I'm not an actually learning. I'm not um, absorbing as, a, as much as I would be had I actually been, you know, in a different environment. So, yeah. So I say to my husband, you're lucky. You're one of the lucky ones given that I'm actually away that much, you know. We have nothing to argue about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Is the whole family going with you as well or no? You're just 
doing no. your own thing. <laughs> but COVID yeah. COVID nineteen has probably has obviously uh, stopped your traveling a lot. A, a lot of travel work has really cu- come to a halt. Mm. Yes, it has. In fact, um, as COVID nineteen had actually, um, I guess, started to become a little bit more. Um, evident in Australia, I was still actually um, on a speaking circuit. Um, In fact, I finished my last speaking engagement in Perth on the 13th of March. So it was right in the midst of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In fact, I remember actually being in Queensland and landing in Sydney. And the first thing I, when I opened my phone was seeing a whole lot of social media posts around toilet paper oh, and, you know, no. I, I had no idea what was going on you know I landed in Sydney thinking gosh I haven't been away for so long what, what's going on I oh, was at a loss <laughs> I, had, I had to send a private note to say what what's that about because clearly I've missed something and I can't find anything that's talking about toilet paper I know can you so, can you believe like I don't know if you went into a frenzy at the time when they talk about COVID-19 and suddenly uh, what you call them stockpiling. I I didn't get that either. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Um, but, I mean, just humans are it's amazing. quite amazing creatures in times of crisis. <laughs> well, it, it, I guess you can um, liken it to the fight or flight, right? So Correct. certain people had key words that triggered off, I need to actually, you know, protect myself and what way do I need to protect myself? I don't know why toilet paper came into the situation, but that was, you know, the response. It was, you know, I need to actually ensure that should something happen that I'm going to be in a position where I can, you know, um, I guess meet the necessary needs, you know, and that turned into not just toilet paper but sanitizer and tin food and flour, flour and, and rice. Yeah. Yeah, it was just amazing. So, so what was going through your mind then, Kathy, when you landed back in Sydney and you saw that kind of, I was suppose, chaos? Would you call it? Um, if first of all, it was. I honestly thought that it was a joke. But then, when I started to see the media um, and to see what was in fact happening, um, it was trying to process what is it exactly that people are hearing you know, in, in the words, in the phrases, in the statements that's eliciting that sort of a response. And so, you know, as a natural behaviour for me, it's always trying to understand what's going to actually create one person to react one way and have another person react in a different way. And so it became on, you know, me doing research. What is it that they're hearing? And it was specific statements that were constantly being broadcast as it was the media, it was in papers, it was in social media, you know, like Kathy said. Um, and it was three key sentences. We're in unprecedented times. We're in challenging times. And I think the um, third one was, oh, we're in uncertain times. You know, those three things. I mean, if I was to ask you, you know, unprecedented, uncertain, challenging, what does it mean to you guys? It means it should be taken out of the dictionary <laughs> forever. Yeah. So, you know, it it's triggered an alarm and especially unprecedented. You know, what's that actually saying? It means nobody has experienced this before. So you don't know what to expect. So naturally, people go into panic mode because they're thinking of the worst case situation. So... 
you know, everybody's reacting or responding to protect themselves. You know, I don't know why 60 rolls of toilet paper was needed and, you know, they couldn't share one, but that was the response that we were actually seeing, right? So, you know, in, sorry, in history, when we actually look at, um, you know, or even um, in our personal experience, when we look back, we go, okay, what can I actually um, think of that I've experienced in the past that I can relate to this situation? And nobody can actually draw on it. So they create their own story. Mm. Mm. And that's what happens with language continuously. Mm. You know, when we can't actually relate to something, what we're hearing naturally becomes, you know, a story that we're interpreting. So those sorts of words are eliciting exactly the same sort of a response. We're creating our own story. And that story was detrimental. So, so in the work that you do, uh, uh, Cathy, that you you know, the service that you provide, is that part of what you do as well in terms of trying to shape uh, the language around how how businesses work as well? Like messaging or something. Yeah. Comms. Yeah. Yeah, so communication is actually really vital and it doesn't matter whether it's a small business or a large business. It's so important to actually understand that what we actually say may not necessarily be heard in the same light that it's actually intended, right? Yeah. And so um, teaching people or showing people that by asking questions, and that's both sides, right? So whether you're hearing it or whether you're actually, you know, the, the one that's actually communicating the message is really important because somebody can actually go off on a tangent and that's then the wrong direction. So ultimately from a business perspective, that means time and money. But more importantly, it actually can elicit a, an actual emotional trigger for any anybody in that environment that's going to send them either spiralling or, you know, in an emotional chaos um, or even, you know, elated. And that may not be what was actually being communicated. You know, so just putting in little phrases around when you, we're communicating to make sure that, A, we're communicating and the message is being heard the way it's intended, but also as the recipient to make sure that when we hear something, we actually reframe it back to make sure that that's what we've heard, right? Yeah. Uh, I, you, you just uh, spoke a little a while ago to, to David, one of our geek person. He, he's listening <laughs> in, but I love the way that when, he, uh, when we have a discussion and he goes, can I play this back? So in my head, it rem uh, reminds me of a, a tape playback. He goes, can oh, I like please paraphrase? Yeah, can I play this back? Is this what you've said? And I thought this is really great, kind of coming back and and saying, is this what you have said? Is this what I understood you to have said? But we don't do that though. N majority of people do not do that kind of communication. <laughs> can you imagine like a first date or something like that? <laughs> no. What you're trying to say is that my hair is really lovely. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> <laughs> imagine that. Can I play it back to you? Is this is what you meant? <laughs> <laughs> can we circle back? <laughs> but you're so right, Kathy. Like um, a lot of the time we don't really sit back and really think, okay, is this what I'm hearing they're saying? Is this what they mean? What do they mean? Um, and sometimes what people say might not be what they mean, but oh, they're yeah. Yeah, putting um, a mask on or something. Look, masks, we all wear masks. That's, you know, inevitable. One of the things that I actually say in business is I actually bring my whole self to work. Yeah. A lot of people say, well, I don't want people to actually see that side of me. That's yeah. my personal side, you know, right? 
a lot, and a lot of people actually can relate to that. But it's so important to actually bring your personal self. It doesn't mean that you're actually vulnerable. It just means that people get to see the whole of you. Yeah, that's true. Like for for um for a lot of Asian cultures in particular, um, bringing your whole self can bring a lot of shame. I don't know if you see that as well, Di. Mm, There's a cultural you, barrier. Yeah, it's a cultural like um, you know, you shouldn't bring your home life into business life. Um, and you shouldn't show emotion. Yeah. And did you see that when you were in the Philippines and Vietnam, like when you were doing business there? Yes, I actually see that across, and you're right, and it is, um, I guess, across the Asian cultures. It's. Um, I noticed it when I used to um, have international students, you know, so that my kids would be exposed to different cultures at a very young age. And that was one of the things that I noticed across a lot of the Asian cultures. And I'm a big hugger. And yeah. so, you know, when I welcome a young child oh, yeah, into, it would be like, you know, our home. I know. Yes. <laughs> she doesn't like to be hugged. I do. I said, oh, Kathy, you want me to hug? No, no, no. I don't want to hug. <laughs> and she was born here, though. Well, because my, my fa- even though I was born here, my family are not big huggers. They don't show emotion at all, and and that's what I grew up with in, in yeah. that environment. So, yeah. if, I mean, there's no right or wrong. It's just like for me, it's how I was grown up. So then, when I started working like in the professional life, it was confronting for me at first. It was just like, and plus being quite petite as well. It's very again confronting because like handshaking um, men, for example. Very strong handshake and my petite little delicate hands <laughs> was like ah <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'll share with you one of the things that I did in my earlier years um, when I was working in the bank. So as you can imagine, it is a male-dominated um, environment, and so attending boardroom meetings, I used to hug. Oh, and can you can yeah. you imagine? You know what I would actually see at the other end. It was like. Yeah, can I imagine oh, this? Okay. <laughs> oh, my um, God. And for me, that was actually breaking, you know, that, that barrier. Mm. And whether that actually meant that they felt uncomfortable or, you know, whether it broke the ice, it was actually a change in environment because, you know, we would normally go into a boardroom because it was a serious discussion. Usually it was a serious discussion, you know, it was about risk. It was about, you know, money, it was projects. And so for me, it was really important that people actually saw me beyond a female, beyond just numbers, you know, it was me, that's who I actually am. Um, and look, you know, I have to say that in recent times, people are actually a lot more open to it, yeah. um, even in that sector. <laughs> I think it's changing. Um, but going back to what you touched upon previously in terms of communication, because I just am a mad uh, communicator. I, I love communicating. I love telling stories and I love to engage with people. But how do we uh, build the skills uh, in terms of for the future, in terms of how people communicate? As you said, how do you give that you know, playing back that conversation so that this, so that you don't misunderstand. Because we, you know, the workforce, you go out there communicating constantly, do this, do that, or. But how do we improve that skill set, uh, Kathy? So it's actually it's like a muscle, you know. When you actually exercise, you develop that muscle, and it's the same with language in the way that we communicate. Die. 
So I'm very conscious of the choice of words that I actually use, you know, specifically in environments where I'm either, you know, working with somebody that's vulnerable or, you know, when I'm working with somebody that's actually inexperienced or they, you know, they're, they're learning something new. So it's actually always checking in, always understanding that if you're the recipient of whatever it is you're saying, did I actually say that in a way that they will actually receive it? And I go back to with the intent that it's meant, right? I'm also very conscious of the choice of words. So a negative connotation will actually elicit a different response to that of, you know, one that's actually um, using words that are positive. Uh, Di, if I was actually there, I'd give you a, you know, a live example of the impact of um, words and also your thought process. So the, the brain is actually so powerful that whether you actually choose to um, verbalize something or whether you're thinking it, it will actually still elicit the same sort of a response, right? So if I were to give you an example, you know, something that I learned through NLP years ago, it's that if you actually um, have a thought that's negative, that actually will elicit a specific response in your body. Yeah. You can actually feel that energy. Mm. What it also does is it actually changes your physical cellular makeup, yep. right? So if I was to actually ask you a strength test and, and it would be really simple because I'd be just using your arm, what it would do is actually um, say, well, I could move your arm in such an um, easy manner. If I was then, and you don't have to communicate anything to me, right? It's just your thought process. If you were actually to use a positive train of thought, the strength that you actually have is unbelievable. And so that not only impacts us as individuals, but it actually impacts those around us as well. So the roll-on effect is actually exponential. We just don't realise it because we don't stop and think about that in that moment what's actually happening for us. So the use of language, the use of words, to, to yes. you, you're saying that we are not or people are not mindful of whatever it is comes out of their mouth. Sometimes I have said that to my husband, <laughs> you know, watch what you're saying. Uh, but But we are so on automatic pilot that we just you spit it out and and as you said you know you you kind of you feel it is there a way that we can ex do us an example an exercise to see how that really uh, works I, I, yeah. I know it's virtual I don't know if it's possible but can I we think, I think there was an exercise that I did a while ago in a leadership course um, I think it might have been that strength test where uh, you where you talk yelling insults or something. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> insults, but like, you're talking about negative stuff and then the strength of your arm is weaker when you mm. actually have those emotions in your head. But when it's positive and affirming, then you, you don't, you're not as weak. Right. Um, so it's, it's a proven test. Um, mm. But you were just saying about how to develop um, that sense. I think there's um, self-regulation as well, um, which I... I, I studying in a leadership course of just how do you regulate your own emotions as well and being mm. really self-aware of how you're feeling taking stock on that 
before it comes out as verbal diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, one of the things that I actually um, am mindful of and I put into practice is before I actually say something, I actually create a moment of silence. And it's really hard, right? But if you do that, it actually prevents you from potentially saying something that you don't want to say, right? So that silence is almost that pause, and it is a pause. Mm. But actually having it, a lot of people think, oh, my God, they're going to think that I'm silly because I'm, you know, I'm not saying anything. But it's so powerful because it not only stops you, what it does is it actually allows those other, the other people that are actually in that room or you're engaging with to have a moment to pause themselves too, right? It actually works both ways. Is that, is, do you think that's being used at all? Have you seen that being used in the workplace, Cathy? It's actually really, really rare. Um, and it is a technique that's used a lot in counselling. Um, so it creates a space and it usually people are uncomfortable in that moment. So can you imagine, you know, if you and Catherine and Kathy were actually talking and you both actually stopped, you know, have a look, turn to one another now. I think you're awesome. Not, <laughs> it's like, you know, you looking too. into one another's eyes and not actually saying anything, it's awkward, right? Yeah. And, and so we know each other. Of, yeah, exactly. So a lot of people um, are, I guess, afraid to use that pause. But the more that you actually use it, the easier it becomes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like um, pause for effect. So it, it's also relevant in speeches, uh, keynote speeches, yeah. stand-up comedy as well. When you're fighting with your spouse. <laughs> <laughs> We're pausing now. <laughs> yes. But how do we make it more available? Well, not how do we make it more available, but how can it become more... Like awareness. Yeah, uh, raise awareness around this, Cathy, because I think communication, in, in, in particular in today's sort of cli- you know, situation, climate and environment, how can we improve our communication ability, really? Uh, I feel that... You know, people just continue to talk and talk and talk without. Like, it, it, tell me what kind of content are you seeing at the moment across our mainstream media? I mean, th- is there any pause at all in terms of the content that's being generated without consideration in terms of how it's, you know, being consumed on the other end? So that's actually been one of the things that I've been most concerned with. You know, so when I actually look back, what is it that's actually being communicated? You know, other than the actual statements that we talked about earlier, the real message underneath all of that is we're in crisis. So what's going to happen when people hear that we're in crisis? It's not a positive thing. So we have to actually learn to almost um, block that noise. And I do call it noise. And it's really fascinating for me because I don't switch on when I hear anything around COVID-19. In fact, I, you know, I intentionally block it out. And so I create my own dialogue around it. And the one thing that I, you know, if I can share one thing is when you're actually reflecting on what's actually happened, try and identify the positives that have actually come to light because the only thing that's been communicated at the moment has been what we've lost, you know, and 
what um, negative impact there's actually been. And, you know, I'm, I'm finding it fascinating that everybody's talking about, oh, my God, it was so good to be able to go, you know, and have a coffee and sit down. You know, sure, but it's not a loss that you've not been able to do that. What have you actually gained from the situation? Nobody's talking about that. So everybody's focusing on what, you know, potentially has been missed or, you know, that they've lost. Can we change the actual language? Can we actually talk about what has been a positive that you've experienced? That's a big step forward in the right direction. Yeah, it's about reframing. And just that coffee example, um, I've actually saved a lot of money from paying for bad coffee. <laughs> so that's a positive thing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, for me, I, Kathy and I had this, this discussion last a few weeks ago. I have got into a bit more baking at home. Uh, not not that I I mean I still miss the going out but I like like what you've said Kathy I constantly look for the positive in every crisis situation like this this mm. for me I don't I, I I also try to shut down the noise I mean I try to avoid to use the co the word COVID nineteen in a lot of our discussions but COVID nineteen I'm using it from a positive perspective in that it's allowing us to explore some of the uh, interesting ideas, some of the uh, discussions that we don't often hear at the moment in in what you know in the mainstream media, but having a, a real uh, discussions such as this, how can we improve our language and our communication in, in times like this? So yeah, it helps also, Di, because you've built a lot of resilience over the years from your own lived experiences, and I think for mm. people who haven't had such traumatic life experience they're gonna react in a different way so um yeah could be yeah look that's inevitable but you know even if i actually look at um you know another frame that people have started to use especially in the last week you know is normal oh my god i'm so glad that we're get, <laughs> getting back to normal yeah. and and i have actually stopped and asked people what does that mean to you you know what is it that you're getting back to normal about and when I then ask them another question of so is there something that's actually happened in the last couple of months that you're really actually grateful for and when you reframe it like that you know they can actually come up with some things that are actually really positive and so when I then go back to so do you want to go back to normal oh no not that normal so it's actually redefining what normal means because normal for some reason initially means that, you know, they've missed out on all of these things. And yet when you actually ask them, you know, what's been the positive, they don't want that part of normal. They want things to actually change. Mm. And even change itself is a negative word, right, because that's how people have associated in the past, oh, my gosh, I have to do something different. But different or change doesn't mean negative. Yeah. Yep. So so how do you help businesses, Kathy? Like what's what's your purpose in, in in the purpose of your business? So there's a there's a couple of things. You know, in many ways I actually disrupt what they believe is um, normal. I also actually look at 
the people engagement. You know, not everything is actually built or created to be able to be rolled out across, you know, everything. So when I actually go into a business, it, everything is really customised to how's it going to fit into your business model? What are your objectives? And how are the people that you have going to be able to actually join you on that journey? Because if you don't take people into account, I can tell you for a fact, your business isn't going to actually achieve what you want it to achieve. And so therefore, there are elements of customization that need to actually happen. So of course, you know, I look at what do you want to achieve? It's always about making things the most efficient and most productive. And, and you know, to some extent, it's actually about scaling. So it's customising what actually needs to be delivered. And I work on impact. For me, it's, and I do actually create what I call disruption, but disruption isn't a nasty word. It's actually a positive word. Because if you want to keep doing what you have been doing, then you're going to achieve exactly the same thing, right? So that's ultimately what I do. <laughs> but outside of work, you 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 saying one of the things that I got from your bio is that uh, you you want to leave behind a footprint. What? Why is mm -hmm. that? Um, for me, and it's probably something that's actually come to light more so in the last five six years. Um, I started on a journey with my daughter. She wanted to go to Africa, and oddly enough. Ebola had broken out when she made that decision. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, she was 16 at the time and she sat around the dining table over dinner one night and said, I've decided I know where I want to be next year, you know, and um, the instant response was my husband saying, oh, no way. <laughs> and for me it was, well, hang on a minute, this is her journey and we've got to look at how can we actually make it work. So I'm very solution focused. You know, it's about mitigating risk and actually achieving the outcome that's desired. And so, you know, we actually changed things around a little bit because she wanted to also spend time living with a Maasai. And so that created, I guess, a sense of I needed to leave a footprint where others could actually follow. So when I look at it in business, um, my actual skill set is to actually provide tools to businesses and ensure that they actually start to think the way that I think. So when I actually create a strategy or when I put a business plan together, I explain the reasons why. Why are we actually going to choose one thing over another? And what else I've considered and eliminated? So that's what the footprint is about. It's not in business, but the footprint, are, are, you know, on a global basis is actually about lifting society so that everybody actually works from a higher base, you know. So I work on a lot of things, you know. I look at short-term goals and I have a really big vision that's actually a global vision. Um, and I'm very passionate, but at the centre of everything that I do is always people. Does that give you a little bit of insight? Definitely. <laughs> that, was very, that was really inspirational. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Um, look, uh, look. If, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, what's, is, the best way? what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Look, um, either through the website or on LinkedIn. You know, on LinkedIn I um, post, you know, little short videos that give you a little bit of insight as to what I do or how I'm even thinking. 
Um, so they're the two main things. So it's solutionstoyou.com.au or Kathy DeMarcos on LinkedIn. Great. Thank you so much for your giving us giving us your valuable time, um, Kathy. And uh, you know, uh, thanks for to the, our audience who's been watching us. Uh, I'm Dai Lee from Dawncast, and I'm Kathy Ngo. Please remember to subscribe. Click on the link or the bell below, and uh, you'll you'll get notified when we uh, you know broadcast uh, our content. Absolutely. And if you want to be on the show or if you've got a suggestion, please let us know as well because we want to hear your story. Absolutely. Thank you very much. See you. Bye. Bye.